What's going on guys? Handsome Home Buyer here. On today's podcast, we have Barry Paley. Yeah, kid. Welcome, welcome everybody back to another episode of the Handsome Home Buyer podcast. My name is Charles, aka the Handsome Home Buyer, aka Captain Permit, aka El Judío Maravilloso. Ah, yo, I like it, man. Good. You know who else is maravilloso all day, every day? Come on, you know. Captain Permit, 516-513-883. If you need plans, you need permits, you need anything permit-related, just like today's guest from Manhattan to Montauk, or not so much to Montauk, but more like Elmont to Montauk. Tip to tip, we got you. Legalizations, interior alterations, new constructions, light commercial. We are here, and we got the best team in the business. Mike, our COO, hit him up anytime with any questions. 516-513-883. And obviously, I'm the handsome home buyer. If you have a house that smells like cat pee, is dated from the 1960s, six inches of mold on the wall, human waste floating past the basement steps, commercial, land, I don't care. If it's on Long Island or in the five boroughs, I'm quick, I'm easy, I'm a good time. I want to buy it. Another thing I'm doing... This week, we just launched our community text platform. Take this number down. I'm going to say it two times. 516-871-3511. That's 516-871-3511. I don't care where you are in the world. If you are interested in real estate investing and you have questions, I am. That is my direct access. It is exclusive. It is direct. And I will respond to it every single day and it is from me. So if you have permit questions, if you have real estate questions, if you have development questions, I'm here for you, 516-871-3511. All right, so we have a legend in the house. He doesn't know he's a legend, but I know he's a legend. His reputation precedes him. It's only 16 years in the business. I actually thought you've been in the business for like 30 years, which is even more impressive. Thank you. Right, absolutely crushing Long Island and the five boroughs from Manhattan to Montauk. That's his slogan. You've said that a bunch of times, right? Absolutely. It sounds. It sounds good. It sounds good. It is good. His team this year is on pace to do two hundred transactions. Yes, two hundred transactions. And next year we're looking to do how many, sir? Four hundred. Four hundred. He is a humanitarian. He is a local guy. He was top broker of Oyster Bay and Pulse magazine. He is Keller Williams Point North, Barry Pitt. Good to see you, sir. Good to see you. Thanks for having me. Matt, it's great to meet you. It's great to, to meet you. Good to meet you as well. And this is your, this is your first video uh, experience. Absolutely. So I'm glad Absolutely. that I could, uh, I could be the one to pop the cherry. Okay, go for it. So, <laughs> Let's um, do it. Again, before we were, we were speaking, and the, the first thing that was most impressive to me, A, when meeting you, and, and B, when I follow you on social media is, and again, you'll, you'll forgive me for saying this, at... At your age, you have in, you have the energy of like a twenty-two-year-old. It's interesting, right? Like you were <sighs> a lot of my contemporaries. I was saying at you know thirty-five to forty-five years old are happy with what they're doing. They're looking to maintain or slow down. You were like, we're doing two hundred deals this year. We're doing four hundred deals next year. Um, where does that energy come from? So it's a good question because you know when my when my wife first met me, she said, <clears throat> and that was only four years ago. She said to me, you know, you think you're 29, your kids think you're 29. Yes. And you, you, you carry on like you're 29, you're 64 years old. What's going on here? What is, what's, what is this? But listen, I think if you're passionate about what you do, yeah. if you love what you do, 
with Keller Williams, there was a very big change for me. Okay. I've always been a business person. I was in my own business from the time I was 26 years old. I've never worked for anybody since 1976. Wow. So I don't know if you guys were alive back then. I was then. not alive there then, you no. Go. So at the end of the day, um, you have to have passion for what you do yeah. in order to excel. I mean, I think those two things are synonymous. And with Keller, there was a completely different change in mindset. Mm -hmm. You know, I came to the following epiphanies when I was with a major brokerage that was broker-centric. Okay. And those epiphanies were, I'm not a trust fund. My parents are gone. I've been through divorce in a bad stock market. And at the end of the day, the last dollar I make is the last dollar I do in real estate is the last dollar I make. And it was like, there's gotta be a better platform, a better program. And I kind of came to the point where I said, you know, I'm going to look for a better platform. And I, and I, of course, found Keller Williams. So for me, the game only got enhanced. And I went from being what we call a dependent realtor okay. to an independent realtor to interdependent. And that's what do you a mean major by that? shift. So, you know, in a, in a broker-centric model... What they, do you mean by broker-centric? So if you, if you belong to the standard brokerage... Okay. Keller Williams was built by agents for agents. It's a completely different model than anything that's broker-centric, where you have a broker. So the broker basically is the lead dog, and you could have a team, be an individual broker, but you're dependent on that broker. Their marketing is theirs. Everything follows through with the way that they have it envisioned. Okay. So the tail is wagging the dog. Keller Williams thinks you to think like a CEO and own and be in your own real estate business. Which is what every agent really is. They are in they their They are own independent business. contractors, but there's yes. a difference between being an independent contractor yes. and thinking like an independent contractor. 100%. So, you know, in a broker-centric model, they want you to fall in line, get on a hamster wheel, continue to do deals for them so that they make money. Yes. Nothing wrong with the broker-centric model, but there's a better platform. Yeah. So I found the better platform. And so, again, if you're passionate and you want to be in your own business, I play the long game no matter where I am, no matter how old I am yeah. or where I am in that point, I play the long game. And when you play the long game, it becomes a game. And it's not a game like with trappings. It's a game you enjoy playing, like a video game exactly. or anything else. Yes. So without, without passion, you can't excel. And if awesome. you're going to excel, I you know I think people are hol hol holographic. You either are the kind of guy that won't let somebody out on the highway when they're trying to get out, mm -hmm. or you're going to back off and let somebody go out, or you're going to go move faster. But at the end of the day, you are who you are. And if you are who you are, you got to play your game. Yeah. And when you play your game is when you excel. No, it's interesting. So I think that's the my passion comes from wanting to excel. It's interesting. A couple of things that you said there. Um, a when you came in, one of the first things they noticed about you is you seem genuinely very happy. Like you have like a glow about you, you're smiling, you are a very happy person. Yeah. Um, that was like my, my first impression. Another thing that, that you said that I think is so important for people to understand, and I, I think they don't, is um, it is a marathon. It is not a sprint. There is no such thing as instant success. The, you know, the Paley team did not sell 200 houses a year overnight. Right. It, it, it's a process and it's, it's a fun process because you like to play the game. Exactly. And if you play the game, you play to excel, then you're always learning. And again, yes. you, you know, again, the, the company has really made a difference for me. You mm -hmm. know, again, I had a great business background. I was always in my own business, always thought like a businessman. 
But this was an area where I was able to open up even more and thrive. And, you know, we're the number one company in the world in agent count and in volume. We're the number one in technology, number one in training, number one in education, number one happiest place to work, number one happiest place to work for women or best place to work for women. So there's so many accolades that the environment that we create is a perfect atmosphere. It's yeah. an ecosystem where people can thrive. And yeah. so you can make that move from being a dependent agent to an independent agent. And then when you realize that we have 162,000 agents, then you become part of this whole ecosystem. And we forage and interconnect with 162,000 yeah. agents. So then you become interdependent where you're working inside of an ecosystem yeah. that continues to help you flourish. No, I mean, collaboration on every level is 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 key. You know, Absolutely. what we're doing here, what you're doing with Keller Williams. Um, interesting, them, so you're 64 years old. So I'm 70. I have 70 oh, years on this planet. Oh, you're 70? I, you've been started, I started way back at four years ago is when I, I, I got remarried. Okay. And I met my wife. And wow. about three years ago, I'm only with Keller. January will be three years. So, but you've been in real estate for 16 years. I've been in real estate since 2005. Yeah, okay. 16 years. So at 54 years old, when, when most people are thinking, I can't wait to retire, right. you are starting a completely different career. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm curious to know, because I, I think people would really like to know kind of, you know, what your upbringing was, where you came from, your first business, and then what ultimately brought you into real estate. Sure. I mean, my journey was, uh, you know, I don't think anything, you know, super unusual. I I grew up here on the island. I was a Wanto boy, so I'm a South Shore boy. Me too, you know uh, that, right? You're from Wanto? Wanto High School, class of 97. <laughs> Wanto yeah. High School, class of 68. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, kidding, yeah. I lived over in uh, in on Wanto, right off Wanto Avenue on Jerusalem. Yeah, I went to Mandalay <laughs> Elementary. I yeah. uh, My parents still live on Riverside Drive. Yeah, that was it. Yep. We used to take our cars out when we were 13 years old and go over to Kwang Ming's and yes! pick, up, pick up a poo-poo platter for yes! a card game, right? And it's still there. <laughs> still, still the best wonton soup on Long Island. We'll plug them, right? It was, uh, <laughs> it was an amazing childhood. That's why I still, to this day, don't want to grow up because I was like, wow. Why would I ever want to grow up? Yeah. It was it was the best. Yeah, Wanto, you know, we were the gateway to Jones Beach, the yep. surfers hut. I don't my yep. time is a little different than your time. But anyway, I grew up on the island and um, my parents moved to the North Shore when I was about 18. Okay. I left home when I was 17. I went to prep school up in Cheshire, Connecticut, okay. right outside of Yale, and then went directly to GW. So I never went back to the Wanto home. Yeah. And I never went to the Great Neck home that they did, and I wound up basically living in the city for a while. I was okay. in the garment center, as I mentioned to you. Yeah, what were you doing there? So I started out, believe it or not, in the button business, which, you know, I don't want to quote it, but, you know, if the garment center was the butt end of the of, of, of the business world, the button business was the butt end of the garment center. <laughs> but um, I, I left that and I actually opened up uh, women's large, I went into women's large size clothing. Okay. It was a void in a niche in the market that wasn't being done. I'm a niche marketer by by, by generic. That's by smart genetic. And so I created that business. Uh, we went in in 76. We became the number one large size clothing company out there called Tomorrow's Dream, Silver Threads. We had several divisions. 
And I wound up buying and selling real estate, like you buy and sell real estate, not okay. so much flipping or not to the extent that you're doing it. But I basically wound up buying condos, buying lofts, et cetera, and moving. And um, I bought a, I had a home out on the ocean in uh, West Hampton, nice. which is, you know, that's why I'm so familiar with the East End and why we do business out there as well. And then ultimately, um, that garment center had its, you know, maladies and we lost a lot of business to you know overseas and so yeah i kind of looked at the real estate market just to flip like you're doing right and at the time um i looked at that market was really about 2005. did you did you see the writing on the wall in the garment industry or were you there kind of until the end so as in any business person you try to adjust to what's going on so we yeah. went into imports we went into 807 to try to break out of the domestic market that was falling apart. And that basically prolonged our life in it. Yeah. But it got to the point where you put in a good quarter, you made a good quarter, you had a bad quarter. Yeah. It was very difficult. Um, and again, unless you were a brand like a Ralph Lauren, it was a difficult business. You know, yeah. if, you're, if you're Ralph Lauren, you could send a dog with a pipe in his mouth for the autofer, you know? Yeah. But it became a difficult business and I started to look at another vehicle and so then real estate sort of came on the horizon because I had always made money buying and selling real estate, right? Yeah. So I then looked at it and I had this horrible epiphany because I looked at it and I said, you know, real estate agents are kind of like used car salesmen. They have this really negative connotation. <laughs> it was, and I'm going like, oh no, I don't think I could do that. And I was just doing it in transition till I was gonna find another business, right? And then. I got one of my first leads, of course, family and friends is your great first lead in real estate. And yeah. I got a lead to go out and my sister had a, an apartment um, that she wanted to rent out in Center Island. I went out there and so I kind of automatically became the Center Island expert. I love right? it up there. That's like the best kept secret up there. Center Island is sweet. Awesome. Tough commute, but but great. So anyway, um, the next thing I know, there was an up, you know, in, in, the, in the office for Center Island. I said, well, give it to Barry. He's had experience on Center Island. So I went out there and sent out on a listing lead and I came back with two and a half million dollars worth of listings of waterfront properties in Center Island and put them on the market and sold them and had a great you know, first couple of months. And I said, well, this is easy, you know. Little <laughs> did I know that that was gonna be it for about a period of six months. Oh, that's right. Because, you know, you just, you can hit, but whatever. So anyway, I was kind of trying it out and then one day I had this epiphany, which was, oh my God, you're in real estate. And well, if that's the case, stop thinking of it as a sideline. Because you, what, you were still in the garment business? I was point? looking for other businesses. I was importing batteries from Malaysia and doing other businesses because my basic MO is to be a business person. Yes. So I looked at my model, which was a business person and a marketer, and I looked at the real estate business and I realized at that time, and today it's a little different, but even then it was, you know, today it's 93% of the business is done by 7% of us. Yeah. So I looked at that and I said, well, you know, if you're gonna do this, then do it the way you do everything Yeah. and be the best at it. And so I made that switch from not really loving what I thought I was gonna be doing to saying, okay, now do it. And so my MO and my branding from day one has been a business person doing the business of real estate. I wanted to distance ourselves from the other people that were doing business, yeah. you know, politically, not politically correct. We just wanted to say, look, we approach things differently. We approach it as a business yeah. 
it's in most cases people's most valuable asset. Yes. So you want to be in a situation where you're approaching it like a business because you're handling an asset for somebody. And if you hire me to handle an asset, I want to make sure that I'm professional and more of a technician than I am. And it's always been about service versus sales. It's not about the money, it's about the game, it's about yeah. winning the game like we talked about. So doing the best that you can do, being passionate about it, and being coming from contribution and taking people through a process. Yeah. You know, I kid around when I, I, I went uh, on my, on my, in my first marriage, we went on our honeymoon to uh, Israel. And so I hired a guide. And I kind of think if you're gonna go into a foreign land or a foreign mm -hmm. thing, yeah. you hire a guide. Yeah. And you, you, you don't have to experiment when you have the right guide. And finding the right guide is the key because the right guide makes your, you know, and our other branding is not all agents are the same. So all yeah. agents aren't the same. So, you know, if you want a, a good experience, hire the best guide, hire the best person that you can for the job, best mechanic for the job, and let them take care of it for you as a business and take you through that trip. And I think that's kind of what we do that's a little different than everybody else. I was gonna ask you, I mean, everybody knows, you know, Keller Williams, the, the education that you receive at Keller Williams and the training is, is, is top notch. That's like one of the, the pillars. Amazing, yeah. Um, how is what you guys are doing now different from the experience that you had when you first got into it? Did any, like, how is the, the training and education, or did you have any, you just kind of won it because you just had this innate kind of business experience. So I think it's a combination. You know, any event that you go to, any training experience you go to, if you walk out with one aha moment, you know, it was worth that investment, right? Yeah. You know, if you and I walk out tomorrow and we see something, we go, you know, why didn't I think of that for, you know, my houses or why didn't I think of that? So, um, you know, Gary Keller, who is our visionary, um, says if you're comfortable, wherever you are, if you're comfortable, leave the room. Huh. Yeah. Right? with that so at the end of the day our knowledge is like totally ongoing i have never been in an industry and i have never been in an environment like i am now where i continue to learn hourly i'm not just talking even daily i mean just ahas and epiphanies and when you're in an ecosystem of 162,000 like-minded interdependent agents that are foraging with each other it's nonstop communication because the guy that's in Tulsa, Oklahoma, doesn't care to not share his listing presentation with me. Yeah. If he's got something that's great, I'm not affecting his income. And our culture, aside, you know, our culture is all about um, God, family, and business, right? Mm -hmm. So our culture is one where everybody goes together, and it's a question of where in another, you know, everybody's heard the term doggy dog mm -hmm. in respect to real estate, right? But at the end of the day, in our culture, it's not like that. I mean, there's competition, there's healthy competition. I'm, I'm not, I, you know, I, I, I'm, yeah, but that's I'm, a good thing. I'm a fierce competitor, and I, I will that that'll never stop either. But at the end of the day, how you compete is really what's important. Yeah. And our market centers, are, which are all indiv independent franchises, our market centers are based upon having everybody do well in the market center because the more we do and the better we do, the better it is for everybody. I mean, yeah, 100%. we have profit sharing in our company, which is, I've never heard of it before in, in the garment center, in the garment center or in the uh, uh, real estate business. And at the end of the day, we take basically half of the profits that our market center makes and give it back to the agents. Nice. And it passes to them and their heirs after seven years for perpetuity. Wow. It's just no other program that's like that. So in our market center, it's all about 
as goes one, all goes together. So we want to see everybody profitable. Um, talk to, I mean, you've been, in, you've been in the game for 16 years and you've, you've seen different markets. Sure. What was it like? Like, get, I mean, you got in basically when it was rocketing up right. to the craziest market. Uh, I don't know. I'd like you to obviously comment if what we're experiencing right now, what's the difference between now and then? And then you, you saw it, you know, as, as bad as it could possibly be. And now the rise again. Yeah, so I, I really started uh, to come in at the uh, uh, apex of the tanking of the market because in 05, I had, had not really, I was just coming into the market. Um, so 06 and 07 were rocky, and obviously we went into, you know, major decline. Um, but Keller Williams is also the kind of company, I didn't have that experience then, that teaches you how to adjust and thrive in a shifting market. Mm. Um, so, you know, we're, we're experts at that. Keller Williams was born in a shift uh, 35 years ago. So, you know, we've seen these patterns before and we know how to do business with that. And if you go back to that formula that 93% of the business is done by 7% of the agents, those 7% or even if you go to the 80-20 model that everybody is familiar with, yeah. they know how to exist and shift through that market. So um, I've seen good markets, I've seen bad markets. Uh, the pandemic market is you know, a separate entity unto its own. I don't think anybody's seen a market like this market. Yeah. Um, so I think that's kind of a, a different model yeah. than, than anything else. But we're geared to be able to do business and adjust to that market and whatever shifts in the market. As a matter of fact, there are two Bibles in our Keller Williams uh, platform. One is the uh, Million Dollar Real Estate Agent, and the other is Shift. Both of those uh, were written by Gary and his team, um, and they're amazing guides to this business. They basically are the scribes of our business. So we, we know how to shift in a market that looks like this. See, the interesting thing about you know the way you conduct business now is I know that you know you have uh, you have listings in New York City and yeah. you're doing stuff all the way out in the Hamptons. So you're you're really and you do stuff in you know Queens, Brooklyn, Bronx, etc. So you you're looking at the market as a whole. Correct. You know what do you see going on out there as far as people moving from the boroughs? Uh, yeah. Is product trading? Is it not? Are prices dropping? Are people holding still? Sure. I call it the state of the union. I do. I go every time I do an intake with a buyer, okay. or I do an intake with a seller. The first thing we start out with is, "Hey, this is what's going on in the market," and we have That's incredibly smart. low interest rates, as everybody knows. Yes, they're going to stay low for quite some time for the foreseeable future. Certainly into 2021 is our is our protection. We have uh, a very low supply of yeah. inventory, so that creates a high demand. Prices are up. But generally what's happening is, and there's two types of migration, I think it's important to understand the two migrations. Okay. One is, for us on Long Island, yes, we're seeing a migration east. So everybody's leaving the city yes. and heading east. They're also heading south, yeah. and they're also heading north, and they're heading west. But So there's a migration out of Manhattan. Manhattan has been affected by the same token. We're incredibly profitable in our Manhattan office. Uh, my partner, Rich Amato, is uh, one of the, the principal uh, and owns uh, Manhattan. Mm -hmm. So we're seeing that. Uh, the, the market there is great for us. Um, the market itself, in my opinion, has, has been off drastically by price point. But I also feel like everything else, there's a tipping point. Yeah. I think we're at the bottom of that curve okay. and starting to come out. I see the investors coming out. You know, Warren Buffett will in, tell you. Into Manhattan? Into or? Manhattan as well. Okay. So Warren Buffett will tell you, you know, that you... Um, sell on euphoria and you buy on fear, right? 
Mm -hmm. So ultimately, I think that Manhattan will come back. It may take a little longer than yeah. other times, but I think we're seeing the, the bottom end of that. But of course, the migration out here, out east, yeah. has been you know kill, killing the market. I mean, I had a listing on a rental property that was $9,000, yeah. and people called me up because it had a pool, yep. and they said to me, we don't want to move in. We just want to use the pool and, and the bathrooms. That was in the, in the height of COVID. They were willing to spend $9,000 to have their own country club wow. per month, yeah. you know, there. So, I mean, we've seen things in COVID that, you know, I just don't think, God forbid, that we don't need to see it again, let business be good like this. But at the end of the day, not for that reason. But ultimately, so that's where the market is. We've got low inventory, yeah. high demand, a migration. But the migration, by the way, I change it up because I want my people to understand the migration. It's not just a migration east, it's yeah. a migration away from density. Yes. So that's what it's all about. Yes. People are looking for more open, more open space, yeah. more privacy, et cetera. And that's why the migration is happening in all directions. But we study migration, I'm a student of that. I, I study migration. I mean, I have partners that are in Chapel Hill, that are in Asheville, Carolina. I mean, when you deal with our company, which is an ecosystem, I know the top agents. Like my cousin sees me killing it on Facebook and says, I'm getting divorced. Um, I'm, I'm a single mom. I'm selling my house in Alexandria, Virginia. I'm buying a new home with my new fiance. I wish you could sell my house for me. And I go, I can. And she goes, how? I mean, you're, you're, you're in New York. I'm in, I'm in Alexandria, Virginia. I said, it's really simple. I'm going to find you the Barry Paley in Alexandria, Virginia, because mm-hmm. if 93% of the business is done by 7%, I'm going to find you the top... Yes. 1%, and I can do that in our ecosystem. Makes so sense. I can call them, they can handle that transaction. We work together as a unit and make that happen, and I can do that almost anywhere in the world. So we're not only local, we're global, and we can put it together anywhere. What do you think about New York over the next 20 years? I have not a theory, but it's something that, that concerns me a little bit. So the first migration as you just is, so I'm, buying, I'm buying houses from, the people that I'm buying houses from, to your point, are leaving the state. Right. They, um, they're people that have been here, they've raised families, and they're like, we're going to upstate New York, we're going to PA, we're going to North Carolina, we're going to Florida. Right. A lot of people coming out from the boroughs out here. Right. The thing that I'm a little worried about as far as New York, depending on you know how the politics goes and everything um, over the next 20 years is, people want to be in New York because of the ability to make money, the action, all that stuff, right? If people start working more from home, um, do people wake up one day and say, if they're not in New York City, do they wake up one day and say, what am I doing here? And New York just becomes a cold, expensive, um, dirty place. That, and, and then there's another migration where the people that moved from the city out to the burbs are like, I don't even need to be here. And that's something that I don't know if it's going to happen, but it rolls around in my mind. Sure. Look, everybody's saying that now also, but then you've got, uh, you know, Lord and Taylor and, and, and other major uh, real estate in Manhattan being sold to the dot-com companies, yeah. et cetera. So, um, again, New York is unique. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think it's taken a hit. I think it'll be a little bit different. It will come back the way it's always come back. And the ability to work from home um, is something that is, you know, very popular now. Um, but illnesses, yeah. diseases, all this kind of stuff has short memories. Yes. And eventually everything returns. So I think New York will, will come back. 
Um, it'll be different. I think we'll all be different from here on in. I think we'll all be different. But the great thing about New Yorkers and New York and people in general is that we adjust, we thrive, and we survive. 100%. And that's what shift teaches you to do, adjust, you know, and thrive, uh, survive until you can thrive. So I think that market will shift, but I think it will come back. I have kind of like a, a two-part question. The first is, when you were when you got into real estate and you were on your own, you know, what were the kinds of you know things you were doing and advice that you would give to agents on how you grew your business? And then, kind of the second tier of that is, once you realize like I can't be everywhere all the time, right. and you decided, you know what, I'm going to start a team. You know, talk to us about you know motivating, cultivating, and, and educating agents because there's a lot of agents that I meet where you know they're somewhere and they're not super happy and not doing a lot of deals and when they find the right team right, right like with someone like yourself right. they explode yeah. so it's it's crazy to see that yeah so um it was a two part question I'll, first I'll get... for, yeah first part was you know how how you came up and yeah. what you did for marketing and to to really build that business so again i think you know there are people that can be stopped there are people that will stop themselves and there are people that can't be stopped so it's really a, a part of what you're what you're about, but I, I think the first tip that really you know my one of my aha moments was don't be a secret agent. What do you mean by that? So if you're an agent, okay, then get out there and tell people that's you're, you're building your sphere of influence. Yes. So one of the things I always tell, I mean, I I answered a, a gal on Facebook said I just got my license. What's the first tip you could give me? And the first tip that I said to her is don't be a secret agent. Yeah. I'm glad you posted because you're out there saying I'm here. So nothing's going to happen if you sit there and wait for it. Uh, I used to tell a story about a guy that sat on top of a rock quarry and you're looking out on miles of rocks. And I used to say to my, my nephew, I said, you know, under one of those rocks is the secret of what you're supposed to do for your life. So you can either sit here and contemplate what you think it might be or you go down in there at rock quarry and start turning over the rocks. So I think it's important that you just approach it with not being a secret agent, get out there, let everybody know what you're doing. It's all about friends, family, sphere of influence. That's how real estate gets done. And then you gotta be able to walk the walk if you can talk the talk. So then it's a question of honing your skills and expertise and knowledge and gaining your experience so that you can offer somebody a value proposition. It's all about the value proposition. And the value proposition is what you bring to the game. And again, not being a secret agent, my business is mostly done on relationship, referral, networking. Um, You know, we're hired guns. Uh, We work by referral. Um, And it's a question of working that sphere of influence. So I think if you take that as the microcosm of what our business success model is, we call the database your data bank, and that's what's important. So you gotta you gotta get out there and work that. So I think that was the main thing. You know, again, uh, I've got some years on the planet. I know a lot of people, so <laughs> that helps. That helps along the way. But everybody has a sphere of influence. They need to learn how to tap into it. That's something at Keller that we teach. And in respect to what you're talking about with the team, it's really salient because I just came off of a seminar today that. Again, I never stop exposing myself to learning and education. I've got so many great mentors within this company. And the thing that is about a team is people only talk about splits. 
Mm. Oh, I get a 70% split. I get an 80%. I don't want to talk about splits. I want to talk about how much money you made. Yeah. Don't talk to me about what your split is. Talk to me how much, what your 1099 reads. So in the team concept, people have to find that they can find their success within your model. And they either get it or they don't. And not everybody is for a team. They think they are because they think it's an easy way out. It's not an easy way out. You need the same skill sets because yeah. if you're not going to perform within a team, um, you're not going to perform on the outside. But at the end of the day, what we do is try to build a world that's big enough to fit everybody else's world inside of it. And when that happens, we develop a culture. And the culture is the team, and the team is the dominant thing. It's not about Barry, and it's not about you know somebody else on my team. It's about the team itself and the team thriving. And our job is to bring in the leads and generate them so that everybody can build their worlds as big as they want inside the world that we exist in. So how do you go about doing that meaning? How do you you know, actively motivate, actively educate, and actively you know, promote the agent so that they can be the best they can? So look, with my team, I mean, we meet three times a week. Wow. Um, uh, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, we, we have uh, a meeting. I meet with my admin once every day. I mean, I have a full-time marketing director who I'm blessed with, happens to be my wife. So I report to a higher authority on, <laughs> on, on that end of it. But she's incredibly talented and skilled and you know, obviously passionate about what she does. So we have a full-time marketing director. I have a full-time admin. I mean, we have a hiring process at Keller Williams that's been studied. It's a, it's a model for hiring people. We call it 30-60-90, career visioning. And you know we're very careful about a, a hire because a hire is an important thing. Yes, a bad hire can cost you more than you know anything. So uh, we have a full-time transactional admin. I have another admin that works along with us as far as sales and ISA in-house sales associates. Mm -hmm. So we have an infrastructure that we build ahead of the volume so that we can handle the volume when it comes in, so we don't compromise our service. And then we have buyers agents, showing agents. Um, listing agents all within the structure of the team. So we meet three times a week. I meet with each of them on a one-on-one -on -one wow. once a week to discuss where they're going, what their goals are, what's happening. We have systems called the 135 and the 411 so we can establish goals and try to hold people credible to those goals. Um, and so we're constantly meeting with them and the education in our market center is pretty much 24-7. I mean, there's webinars, et cetera. It's unlimited what you have. So nobody's held back. It's a question of how much you can take on. I mean, it, do you consider yourself, this is something that I'm lacking in that I try to get better at every day. Are you, would you consider yourself a very organized person? <laughs> because you sound, like your operation sounds surgical. Like just. Um, the nature of Barry <laughs> is that I would like to be. Yes. I'm more so than most. Okay. And I'm nowhere near where I want to be. Where you want to be. Okay. And I think that's also part of what I talked about, you know, as far as the yes. culture goes. I sat on a seminar today for two hours listening to what is supposed to happen. And my admin was directly across from me. And we're working while we're doing the seminar. And she's looking at me and I'm looking and going, we do that. We do that. We do that. And I look at it and I go, write that down. We don't do that. You know? So, it, you know, it's a game and you, you learn when you play, yeah. you know? So we, we, we love what we do, we're having fun with it and we're constantly growing. My, uh, my final question for you is you're um, shockingly 70 years old, <laughs> loving am. life, have a ton of energy. Yeah. 
what what is the next 70 years of Barry Paley look like? You know, so it's going to sound like I'm uh, um, um, drank the Kool-Aid, but I did. So um, <laughs> Keller Williams, again, the platform allows me to do anything I want. The We have seven levels mm -hmm. uh, that we try to achieve within a team, a team level. And at the seventh level, you pull out and the team's supposed to run. We call it a pressure test. I should okay. be able to go away to... Europe for a month and the business it's like you've never left. should run. Because like, we're big on systems, models, yeah. algorithms, platforms, etc. So at the end of the day, uh, I have opportunity for profit sharing, like I told you. So I'm here and I'm creating passive income. I have a very strong downline. So uh, I get passive income and I will continue to get passive income for perpetuity. So... Um, the profit share program there is absolutely sensational. Um, I, I can make money on my own production. I can make money on my team. I could stop working the day-to-day -day grind and I could refer and recruit anywhere in the world. If somebody tells me, my cousin calls me up and says, Alexandria, if a buddy of mine calls me up and says, I have somebody that's looking for you know a, a place in Tarrytown or a place in Asheville, North Carolina, I can still make money. I don't have to be at the active grind of it. So for me, um, I'll build us to, we're probably at the, somewhere around the fifth level. Mm -hmm. um, I made a promise to my wife that I needed three years to be vested with Keller and three years to get the team where I wanted to get. January will be three years. Mm -hmm. We're pretty much on, on target. Um, holding myself accountable to some of my goals. Mm -hmm. And so um, I'll keep my fingers in a little bit, um, <laughs> but I have at least developed yeah. an exit strategy. When I when I pull that cord, I don't know, because like you said, That's I'm, a I'm a pretty passionate, vibrant seven-year-old, so we'll still keep our fingers in a little, as they say. Yeah. But um, at the end of the day, the possibility of an exit strategy, there's a plan, Yeah. there's a way to do it, and there's multiple streams of income that can come in because in Keller's world, that exists. So it's nice to know that like, you know, Keller helps give you the infrastructure you maybe put yourself or any other agent in that position. The yep. question that I guess I'm curious for me, and this is on like a very personal note, sure. at being 40 years old and thinking, does, does like I love this. I, I, you and I are like we're we're very in sync. I like right. live this, and people are like, oh, when are you gonna like relax and have fun? I'm like, what do you mean? This is fun, right? Exactly. So I guess my question for you personally, for for my understanding, is does the game ever end? So I don't think the knowledge game ever ends, um, and I don't think the passion ever ends. I think you need to adjust. One of the things that is again part of the Keller culture is to, as I said, you know, it's God, family, and and business is to uh, allocate and time block mm -hmm. so that you uh, have a life worth living and you build lives worth living through your business. Um, you know, some people take their profit share and put it to their vacation. Um, I, I think there's parts of it. I mean, there's a story that very much touched me about a woman who built up her profit share and she was getting like $12,000 a month in passive income wow. and unfortunately passed away. And she left that legacy that her kids get a check every month for $12,000 Wow! and she's gone. What a great legacy to, to, to be able to leave. Something like yeah. that is, is very, uh, affects me in, in a sense that I realize what we have, you know, in the company as a culture. So um, does it ever end? It ends when you want it to end. It ends when you feel or you refine it 
and and you make it fit. Um, people always make fun of me because I, 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 I use euphemisms a lot and we call them barriers. But <laughs> there's a great one that I like, which is if you if I can't make the lens fit the orifice, mm-hmm. I'll make the orifice fit the, the lens. lens. So it's just a question of adjusting yeah. and, and pulling those tweaks to make it work for you for what you're where you are at that time. What the future holds, you know, is yet to be seen. Right now, I look at it and I tell everybody, we're at the blackjack table, the dealer is cold. We're not going out for a restaurant because we have a reservation at seven. When the dealer gets hot, we'll go, we'll go eat dinner. But right now, right now the, the, the table is in our, in our, in our play and we're, at, and we're at play. We've got a phenomenal team. I've got some great people that work with me. I appreciate every one of them. Um, and we're all committed to building something that's big and works for us, not for the sake of building something that's big, but for the sake of the game. Yeah. You know, so it's for the love of the game. You know, you either get into the game or you don't in the game. I, I mean, I couldn't say it any better myself. Yeah. You're a gentleman. Um, I really appreciate you taking the time out to speak with I me. I appreciate you having me make the time for us to meet and, and talk. Absolutely. If people are, you know, interested in joining the team, if they're interested in, in Keller, yeah. how do they uh, reach Just out? Just reach out to you? me. My number is 516-503-4242. Uh, 516-503-4242. You can reach me at Barry at BarryPaley.com. So it's pretty easy. Uh, uh, or just reach out to me. Uh, I'm, I'm more than happy to uh, set them up. And if they're not right for a team, that doesn't mean that they're not right for Keller Williams. I think it's important that they understand the structure we have. So Keller Williams is an organization that's right for people at all stages in the real estate game. Beginning people, middle people. Uh, team, not team. It's just a different platform, a different environment where people can thrive. And I'm more than happy to share that with them and get them on the inroads because we've seen the future. We know it works. Uh, We know what a broker-centric model looks like. We know what an agent-centric model looks like. And there's no difference between the two. You gotta actually taste it. You gotta come see it. But an agent-centric model is the only way to go. Awesome. And obviously, I'm the handsome home buyer. You have a house that smells like cap heat, land, commercial property, anything. 516-777 sold. And for all your permit needs, don't forget the captain at 516-513-8838. That's a wrap. <laughs>